Welcome to Life, Love, Insight, Fertility Experiences. Today I'm here with Dr. Lo Ku, and we'll be speaking about the male factor related to infertility. Welcome to Life, Love, Insight, Fertility Experiences. Today I'm here with Dr. Lo Ku, and we're here to discuss male infertility. He is the senior physician at the Dallas IVF Center. And I am so glad he is here. He has the most effervescent personality and so much knowledge. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lori. So happy to be here. Such an honor to be here and excited to be able to talk with you today. Oh, thank you. Is there anything that we should add about your practice or your background that I, I didn't uh, say very much? I apologize. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's great. That's perfect. Uh, just yeah. Okay. Well, I know you've been practicing for a number of years and you've had so many um, interesting and successful conferences and talks and things. So I'm glad that you're here to talk with us today. Oh, it's happy to be here. Thank you. So male infertility, it has been in the spotlight over the last several years, more frequently over just the last few. So we're bringing the men into the loop and I don't know on an emotional level how much they're happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, for so many years that when you, when you speak the word infertility, a lot of times people really focus on female infertility, but you're right. There's a whole aspect, a whole other aspect to, to fertility. And that's the male part. And we always say it takes two to tango. Right. right. That's my favorite expression very often. It does. And we don't want to leave the men out. Um, that's right. Yeah. Unfortunately, what happens is this is a medical diagnosis. It's not as if there's something like that you're not doing well. This is a clinical diagnosis and it needs to be identified. And there's lots of different ways of identifying it. So we were chatting before just about these home tests that they do. Yeah. Are they into you with it? They are. I, I do see quite a few couples who come in and they say, you know, we, we took a home test, uh, an over-the-counter sperm test, which you can purchase at a local pharmacy, grocery store, and, um, and, and, and they're, they're, they're uh, affordable, and they're quick, and they're easy, and they're private, which is great. And it's also probably less nerve-wracking for the guy. He doesn't have to go into an office and, and, and collect sperm. So totally understandable as to the attraction of a home sperm kit. Now, the problem is, is that the sperm kits, though they're very accurate in telling you your sperm count, there are so many other parameters of semen, of semen that we need, we need to really understand to be able to tell you whether the male has good fertility or is subfertile or is infertile. So um, there are so many parameters. For example, not only do we need to know, to know the sperm count, we also have to know sperm motility, the morphology, which is the shape. Um, we have to know whether there are any um, abnormalities in the semen itself, like are there white blood cells, immature sperm cells. We have to learn about whether there's debris uh, and other aspects of the, of the semen and sperm. So these are things that you can't quite get from a home kit. So though it's great to start with a home kit, but even if it says it's normal, and if you're still having a hard time getting pregnant, it's probably time to go see your infertility specialist earlier rather than later. It sounds to me like it doesn't give you very much information, actually. Maybe it opens the door to thinking maybe there could be something that needs some further investigation. Right, right. With sperm, you're exactly right. Sperm is not like just if it's good or bad. It can be okay and still lead to issues with infertility. Yeah, that's what it's sounding like to me. So I'm kind of thinking that if you go to buy the kit, it means that you're thinking there's something that's not right. And if you're thinking there's something that's not right, 
you should go see your infertility specialist. Exactly right. If you already have that thought, like something's wrong, go get some help. You had mentioned also a story about if you're thinking there's something wrong, not to wait too long. Absolutely right. So um, many times couples are trying and trying. And, and one of the things my wife and I actually, when we suffered with infertility, that we sort of uh, did that I would always tell my patients not to do, which is we waited too long before we sought help. Uh, we just thought, oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. Even our friends would tell us, oh, it's going to happen. And we, we, we thought, okay, well, let's just keep trying. Well, you know, I wish we, we started earlier on the track of treatment because we would have our kids earlier and we'd be able to spend more time with them. So I do recommend to patients that if you have a thought that something's wrong, specifically even with male infertility, like I have couples come in where the, the patient, the wife says, well, you know, with my previous husband, we got pregnant pretty quickly, but with my new husband, you know, we've been trying um, and it's not working and there's not even been a scare of a late period. I think something's wrong with the guy. And if you have that sort of inkling, go see your specialist earlier rather than waiting longer. Yeah, what I find amazing is that the statistics associated with male infertility, because yeah. just a few years ago, we weren't even bringing men into the, into the mix. And we were just kind of had these global numbers, a third is a female, a third is a male, a third we just don't know with unexplained. But you were actually giving me some insight because I had seen the number 7% of all men and you actually were kind enough to clarify for me what the real number is. So. Yeah, I, of the couples that come and see us at our facility, uh, you know, I think it's a, a bit higher. In fact, we see that 20% of men who come in have a male infertility issue uh, and 20% and of couples have that isolated male factor infertility. Now, when couples come in, sometimes even 20 to 40% of the time, they have a male factor diagnosis included with an other, and more diagnosis, for example, like ovulation dysfunction or tubal factor. So you can have a female and a male factor infertility, and that's 20 to 40% of the time. Wow, that's amazing. Why do you think it took us so long to look at the male factor? You know, that's a good question because my wife always told me it was my fault <laughs> for everything, <laughs> including difficulty <laughs> conceiving. You know, it's it's. I'm not sure why it's taking so long for for the male infertility to really come to the forefront um, of our minds. You know, female infertility is something that we think about when you think of infertility. The first thing we think about, oh, well, there must be a female issue, like a a tubal factor or or some sort of something wrong with the uterus or or ovaries, but. Right. 20% of the time it is a male issue. And so it, it could be that, you know, as guys, we're just, maybe we just don't want to um, really realize that maybe it is our faults and that we have to do something about it. Yeah, I think also, you know, when we, when we think about getting pregnant, we think about a woman, we don't think about a man. Right. Right. We, you know, we think about fertility. We think about a woman, we don't think about a man, but it takes three things to get pregnant. I always say, right. Absolutely. And the egg. And without all three, we're not getting pregnant. It's just not happening. You're absolutely right. I tell patients that every day that we need three basic components. We need egg quantity and quality, sperm quantity and quality, and anatomy where they can meet. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's great that we're starting to look at it that way. Um, and it's important. So now we know that the male infertility factor is definitely there. And we know that most men don't go into this thinking that, or couples actually thinking that it's a male infertility situation. Although I think hopefully people will begin to look at it that way as time goes on, it could be. What, what happens if a couple comes in and they don't know why they're not conceiving? What is it routine to test both if it's a male and a female partner? 
You know, by the time patients have come to my uh, doorstep, um, they are already quite frustrated. They've been trying and um, they're very anxious and they're worried that it may never happen. So um, by the time they see me, I, I feel like we need to do a complete workup, which begins with not only the female um, workup, but also includes the male workup. So I do recommend semen analysis, a complete semen analysis rather than just a home kit uh, for the men who, who arrive at our doorsteps. So when you talked about the, the testing before, does the man have to go through any other tests, so to speak, besides the semen analysis? You know, it depends on the semen analysis results. So I do begin with the semen analysis. We do need sperm. That's the basic, one of the basic ingredients we need for, for reproduction, right? So, so um, typically the semen analysis will tell us if the male needs further testing. For example, if there is um, no sperm on the semen analysis, then the, 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 the husband might need a, an analysis to figure out, well, is there a blockage in, this, in the, the vas deferens? Um, there may need to be uh, blood tests to see if there are any chromosome issues with the husband. Um, there may need to be even like testosterone testing. So there, uh, and sonogram testing to look at the, the testicles. So usually it begins with the semen analysis and then it goes from there. So it doesn't get too invasive. The right, right. Luckily it's not too invasive for the guy. The guys get off pretty scot-free on this and it's not fair. I, I hear that every day. My patients tell me, man, it's not fair. You know, the patient has to undergo all these shots and, and, and getting poked and prodded, but the the, the husband just has to collect sperm and that's not fair. <laughs> and it sure is not fair. Right. You get a blood test in there. I did hear blood tests. So I wanted them to be able to walk away understanding what kind of testing was involved. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. analysis, blood test. Yeah. Yeah. If they do need more, because I think very often when we have a medical diagnosis, we get concerned about what the workup is going to be and what it could lead to. And it's so important to look at this, I think, as a medical diagnosis so that we can, we can, you know, at least intellectualize what it is because our feelings are going to not be happy when this initially happens. We're going to start to look at ourselves and feel not too good about ourselves with this condition. I agree. I agree. And, and, and the good news is that um, many times with male infertility, there is a way to fix it or there's a way around it and there's a way to, to improve it so that fertility can be either reestablished or at least reproduction can move forward. So that's the good news. So what can we do? What can they do? Man comes in and... So, um, you know, I talk with the husbands. I say, okay, there are some things that can do lifestyle-wise that can improve your sperm uh, production and sperm quality. So we can polish up the sperm and the semen. So I usually tell patients there are, yeah, there are, I usually say there are five things that you should look at. So Dr. Q's top five things. <laughs> uh, two of them the guy should do and three of them, actually four of them they should avoid. So let's say top six things. So um, number one is multivitamin every day. I do recommend a multivitamin because the multivitamins do contain the necessary ingredients that the sperm need. For example, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin E, L-carnitine. These are all things that help healthy sperm uh, be produced. And you can find those many times in multivitamins. A lot of times patients ask, well, what kind is there a specific brand? Actually, uh, all the over-the-counter multivitamins for men are perfectly fine. I know when, when I was undergoing infertility treatments, my wife basically made me take Centrum Silver, perfectly fine. That contains everything you need. All right, so that's number one. I mean, just taking a vitamin can make a significant difference. It can, yeah. Sometimes that uh, men may not be having a, a healthy uh, diet and then they may be missing some vitamins that are necessary for their sperm. So a multivitamin can supplement that, that diet. 
And speaking of diet, that's number two. So number two is healthy living, including healthy diet and healthy exercise. Now exercise isn't mandatory, but it sure is something that can boost your endogenous or own production of testosterone. Um, and so I would say healthy diet, healthy living. Um, that's number two. Very, very interesting I, that exercise can boost testosterone. Yes, absolutely. And, and the other thing is that if a guy's a little bit heavier, what can happen is that there's a lot of tissue around the thighs and the thighs can actually create a little pocket of um, a little pocket around the testicles, which then can create a little heat pocket. And that heat source can actually decrease the testicles ability to produce good sperm and thus lower the quality of the sperm, specifically the shape of the sperm. So if the shape, yeah, so if the shape is off and not the normal shape, uh, it, the sperm will have difficulty penetrating and fertilizing the egg. So a little bit of exercise, maybe shedding some pounds might actually free up the testicles to let them actually cool down a little bit. And so that they'll function a little bit better. That's fabulous. So, so far the top two tips are things that are good for healthy living in general. Not absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Number three. All right. So the next three, actually the next four are the ones that you should avoid. So the first two are to do the next four to avoid. And these are all interesting because they all begin with the letter T. So it's easy to remember. So the first one is tobacco. So no smoking. All right. We do know that nicotine can affect sperm quality. So no tobacco. What if people get high and they smoke high? Or they use, you know, any type of marijuana product. That's the next one. So okay. that's THC. Yeah, no, that's good. You're exactly right. Thanks for, for the segue. That's perfect. So the fourth, <laughs> the fourth thing not to, or the, the next thing not to do is the next T, which is THC or marijuana. Marijuana absolutely can um, actually shut down the testicular function and thus lead to low sperm count or no sperm count. It is dose dependent. So the more a guy smokes marijuana, the, the lower the sperm count. So, uh, so that's number two to avoid. So no marijuana, no THC. The third one to avoid is testosterone. So a lot of guys, um, especially at my age, are feeling lousy because they're running low on testosterone and they go see their doctor and unbeknownst to the doctor, they aren't, they're still trying to get pregnant, but the doctor puts them on testosterone. So yes, the husband feels strong and healthy again and clear-minded, but testosterone used to be thought as a male birth control because it's very effective at shutting down the testicular function. And so there's also no sperm, uh, no, no sperm production. So um, testosterone is something that we definitely want to avoid. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's very important for that to get out to the public for sure, because I do see a lot of husbands who, who just say, you know what, my, my doctor never told me. And so they could have, and they wasted all this time trying when all this time they had no sperm production. So is that reversible? If they stop taking testosterone, will it reverse right away? Or how does that work? That's the good news is that um, the testosterone with testosterone cessation, sperm production is reversible. It's not reversible right away. That's the problem. It does take about 70 days. And I only say roughly three months before testosterone um, is completely eliminated and the sperm uh, are coming back and that they'll come back to normal uh, count after about 70 days. Wow. Okay, great. That's, this is great. Yeah. So this, that's the third T to avoid. And the final and fourth T is, um, we, I say tubs, but like hot tubs, bathtubs, saunas. So anything that heats up the testicles, you know how we talked about how their tissue around the um, thighs can create a little hot pocket around the testicles? Well, 
the testes need to be around one to two degrees cooler than the rest of the body for it to function properly. And that's kind of why the testicles actually hang outside the men's bodies, whereas ovaries can function at any really uh, temperature and they can be inside the body. So the testicles need to be about one degrees cooler um, than the rest of the body to be able to function properly. And when you heat up the testicles, like by sitting in hot tubs, saunas, or bathtubs, well, the testes don't work very well. And it creates abnormal shaped sperm. So we call that low morphology. So when the shape is abnormal, and I'm specifically talking about like the head of the sperm, but it also includes like tail um, issues, like two tails, small tail, no tail. And so, but the head shape is really what helps the sperm dig into the egg. So it helps lead to fertilization. So if the shape of the sperm is off, Fertilization may not be occurring, even though you might be having intercourse at the right time, putting sperm at the right time. Sperm's right there next to the egg, but it can't get in. So I tell patients, it's like if you go to the backyard and you're digging in the backyard with a shovel, but the head of the shovel is just not right shaped, well, it's going to be really hard to dig a good hole. How long does it take for that to be reversible? You get out of the hot tub and go see you and you say, no more hot tubs, right? So how many days or months does that take to reverse Right, so it takes about 70 days for it to reverse because, yeah, because sperm, once it's produced, it takes 70 days or so to, to mature for it to be prepared for ejaculation. So that entire timeline needs to restart the mini to stop those those um, habits of hot tubs and, and, and testosterone, for example. Uh, so it sounds like that's just like the magic number, 70 days. Yeah. Fascinating. Now, what percent, is there a percentage or how frequently is male infertility or any of these situations resolved where you could go on and have a, a biologically healthy baby? The good news is that though it can affect a guy's sort of like um, uh, confidence level, if there is a male issue, the good news is that roughly 50% of the time it can be reversed and couples can go on to have um, their own child spontaneously, which is wonderful news and very hopeful for couples. 50% is a pretty amazing number. Yeah. You know, many times I see guys who come in who are taking testosterone and that can be reversed. Um, guys who are, um, let's say, um, a little heavier, if they can reverse that, that, that can improve the sperm counts from uh, the heat pocket. So luckily it's, it's good news for couples that they can control this and it can be reversed. Now the other half where even though they may control everything, they, they try to control everything though it may require still uh, treatment still. That I think that this is so important because so often the focus is how the man is doing in terms of coping with his partner not being able to conceive, not necessarily how he's doing with his ability to conceive. And I find I do you know a fair amount of work with third-party reproduction, and I find very frequently when it comes to a man's sperm not being able to be biologically connected to the child and they use donor sperm, the men don't want to talk about it too much whereas the women have more of a need to talk about it and work through it. I agree. Um, you know, as guys, we, I, I, we may not be as vocal as, as our female counterparts, which is unfortunate. We really should be able to voice our own emotions and, and to discuss. And I do talk with our patients who come in that, you know, you're not alone. Um, that you're not on an island. There is a whole world out there of support that you can go to to receive good, healthy, uh, emotional support. Um, and especially for guys. Uh, I remember when my wife and I were going through our struggles with infertility, I, I felt like I, I was failing my wife. And, 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 and I felt that it, 
my duty, I was, I was relinquishing my duties or I was failing my duties uh, as, as the husband. And it was difficult for me to really voice those emotions and really to really verbalize them. I knew what I was feeling, but I, I couldn't quite verbalize it, number one. And number two is I, di I didn't want to stress out my wife anymore. She was already stressed that we couldn't conceive and she had a lot of other stressors and I worried about that. So, so I tell patients, especially the husbands, not to bottle it up, definitely talk about it. It will, it will bring you closer to your wife. It'll strengthen your relationship. And um, you might actually find out there are other things you can do to improve your fertility. Yeah, and everything that you, you just noted in terms of the feelings are so normal. You know, and we forget that this is within the range of normal kind of, you know, feelings and grieving the process and understanding the process. And, and it's so healthy to do that because then when you do have a child, you've already worked through these feelings and these emotions and you can welcome this child in with like a, a fuller heart. Absolutely. I, I try to tell patients that, that, you know what, your emotions are valid. And I validate that, that the way you're feeling is normal and it's okay to feel that way. And, um, and uh, that we can get through this together as a team and, and we can work through not only the, the medical issues, but we'll, we'll be a team together to help support each other emotionally so that we can get, it, uh, get, to the, uh, get across the finish line. Yeah, I know that's wonderful. And I love what you said also about it, bringing a couple closer together because it can, you can talk about it. It really can. And, and men do feel like a failure and they do feel like they don't want anybody to know. And it, it has nothing to do with any of that. If somebody didn't have a leg, you wouldn't ask them to run a marathon. Yeah. So, you know, unless they were, you know, some kind of super, super, um, you know, yeah, I, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, like when I watch the, the the Olympics for the para, paraplegics and uh, the Paralympics, I mean, so yeah. it's amazing how uh, I, I would say that some of these uh, these contestants who maybe are missing a leg, they are uh, way stronger, way faster than their two legged counterparts, which is quite impressive. Quite impressive. And I think that if you are having problems with anything in life, whether it be sperm, or ovaries or anything, once you come to terms with how you need to proceed, you can be that much stronger. And I think the love that you're going to exude for the end result of the process is even that much more. Not to say that people don't love their children when they just get pregnant, but you've worked so hard for it physically, emotionally, financially. It's just, it's. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I wrote a piece a while back, I think it's like Disney uh, and it was, about how like everybody loves their kids absolutely but <clears throat> I feel like I do love my kids so much more because I do appreciate them more because I my wife and I almost didn't have them and and I remember thinking at a certain point in our journey that like we may we may have to live a childless life which is fine and there's nothing wrong with that but we thought well maybe we have to reassess our future and it was very a difficult journey and so um I definitely hold my kids I feel like just a couple seconds longer, just to make sure that I, I remember that, you know, the struggle to get them and that how much I, I appreciate that the science is here to help me have the family that I always dreamed about. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And it does take a lot. And, and I think through the process, there's so much evaluation that goes on. Each step is another decision. and Each step is another evaluation. At some point, you're right, people do get off path and they say, we're just going to look at our life with a different vision and maybe without a child. So there's different paths that people take along this, this road and this journey. But it sounds like there is a lot that men can do to help themselves along the way. 
and to help your partner to conceive. And I find that sensational. I really do. Because what you mentioned are not difficult challenges. And I'm not going to say stopping smoking isn't easy. You know, it's easy. It's not. <laughs> right. Not things that aren't doable. They're, they all are. And, you know, and they all just lead to a healthier lifestyle in general. Absolutely right. And, and that's the, the nice thing is that there's really nothing that you have to overcome that's not overcomable, right? So that's, it's definitely possible, definitely doable. And maybe even with a little bit of science, we can improve even the sperm more if needed. So absolutely. So that's just the last thing I really wanted to ask you about. And of course, if there's more things you, that we should discuss, I am absolutely open to it. But how many, how many times do you, or I don't know, how frequently do you think, and I'm, I don't need a statistic on this, but how frequently would you think a child would need to be conceived, not naturally through intercourse, but through some type of IVF treatment with low sperm counts? You know, of the couples who come and see us, roughly only about 10% really need IVF. So that's the good news is that even though you want, even though you, you think you might have to go get treatment, it doesn't absolutely mean that you need IVF. So that, that really is something that couples fears that they, they're they going to go to the infertility doctor and they're going to say immediately IVF. So the good news is that 90% of the time, um, there might be something that's correctable, or you can just undergo insemination, something as conservative uh, type of treatment as that to conceive. And so only 10% of the time do couples actually need IVF. So so that's something that I really want the, the public to know and the, the, the people to know that it, when you go see your infer- infertility doctor, it isn't a diagnosis or uh it's not it doesn't always lead to IVF it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have IVF right so it could be an IUI or it could just be insemination at times insemination absolutely absolutely right so it could be just insemination or even just kind of understanding oh how to time the intercourse a little bit better or at the right time so um yeah it could be as simple as that that's great this is such great information and it just seems so I hate to say simple yeah, it's very, it is basic. And sometimes when I, re, when I kind of relate this to the patients, they're like, oh, okay. And they can try that for a little while. And of course, if it doesn't work, no problem. We can always retool things. We can always polish things up, but we won't give up. Yeah. Okay, great. This is great. It really is. I keep using that word, but that's really how I'm feeling about this situation. Right? So thank you so much. And I do want to share with you that my patients, uh, I see the transition with them when it's male infertility where they start to come in and they're worried and then they do conceive and most of them do conceive for male infertility. That has been my personal experience or my professional experience in my little tiny world of treating people. I agree, absolutely. And there is hope. There absolutely is. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that we should add? No, thank you. Oh, Lori, it's been such an honor and a privilege. And it's oh, just yeah. been great with, with uh, chatting with you today. And and I love this topic, male infertility. It's so important for, for it to, to kind of be told out to the public. And I'm so glad that you're providing a great voice uh, to talk about this great topic. Oh, well, thank you. I think you are. And it's really my honor. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, um, I'm a physician at Dallas IVF uh, or at Dallas IVF, so you can find me at DallasIVF.com. But also, my patients have, uh, I think, affectionately called me now Dr. Knocked Up. I love uh, that. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention it if you didn't. 
Thank you. So you can find me on Instagram as Dr. Not, Dr. Knocked Up. So, uh, so Dr. Knocked Up, that's me. Uh, I'm so proud and honored to, to be able to carry that, that mantle and um, hope to, to continue to earn that, that title. That's great. I, and you got that name from your patients. I did because the K and the U was like knocked up. I was like, that's perfect. They even gave me like a little cup here that said doctor knocked up. And I oh kind of, I, I loved it. it. <laughs> I ran with it after that. I was like, perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> fabulous. Well, thank you so much. And if anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at laurimetz.net.